गौर प्रेमानंदे हरि नमो ओम विष्णु पदाय कृष्ण पृष्ठाय भूतले श्रीमते भक्ति वेदांत स्वामी नीति नामिने नमस्ते शारदशते देवे गौरवानि प्रचारिने निर्विशेष शून्यवादी पाश्चात्यस्थाने श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु नित्यानंद श्री अद्वैत गदाधार हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम राम जय जय श्री चैतन्य जय नित्यानंद जय जय श्री चैतन्य जय नित्यानंद जय Jaya Jaya Shri Chaitanya Jaya Nityananda Jaya Jaya Shri Chaitanya Jaya Nityananda Jaya Daita Chandra Jaya Gaurabhakta Bhakta Jaya Daita Chandra Jaya Gaurabhakta Jaya Jaya Shri Chaitanya Jaya Nityananda Jaya Jaya Shri Chaitanya Jaya seminars, are you getting an understanding 
that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the Supreme Personality of Godhead? Yes. Actually, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not as yet started to display his identity as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Like, as it is, he is hiding his identity. And, but then after taking sannas, through various activities, through various encounters, he actually established his position. Not directly, but indirectly. One such uh, encounter was with Sarvabhuma Bhattacharya. Do you remember who is Sarvabhuma Bhattacharya? Sarvabhuma Bhattacharya was the greatest exponent of Vedanta philosophy. Vedanta philosophy means the end of the Vedas, the ultimate conclusion of the Vedas. The ultimate conclusion of the Vedas is that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But Shankaracharya came and he gave a different understanding of Vedanta Sutra. And that he did for a specific purpose. Do you want to hear why Shankaracharya came? Yes. Or am I deviating too much no. from the main theme? Shankaracharya is Lord Shiva himself. Lord Shiva came as Shankaracharya. Why did he come uh, as Shankaracharya? Shankaracharya, Lord Shiva himself actually admitted that to Parvati. Who is Parvati? How many of you don't know who is Parvati? Okay, so everyone knows. So, Parvati is Lord Shiva's eternal consort. So Parvati, uh, Shiva is telling Parvati that Parvati, I will propound a temporary philosophy called Mayavad. Mayavadam Ashatchastram. Ashat can mean uh, rotten, <coughs> unreal, uh, deviant, and also temporary. Sat means eternal. Now, opposite to Sat is temporary. So, although apparently it can also mean bad, that's what bad. Shat means good and opposite to Sat is bad. <laughs> Asat. So he is directly saying Asat Shastram Scripture conclusion. I will establish. 
which is actually which is actually prachanna bodhamuchyate which is actually prachanna means covered bodham means buddhism is covered buddhism mayaivo bihitam devi i will establish kalo brahmana murtina appearing in the kali yuga as a brahmana samayavadam asachchastram prachanna bodham uchyate mayaivo bihitam devi kalo brahmana murtina appearing in the age of kali as a brahmana i will establish a temporary conclusion of the vedas which is called mayavad which is actually covered buddhism what is the meaning of covered buddhism then now we have to go back to buddhism <laughs> lord buddha why did lord buddha come how many of you know why lord buddha came how many of you do not know why lord buddha came how many of you can raise your hand <laughs> okay how many of you want to know why buddha came okay the age of kali is a very degraded age that everyone believe that or you think kali yuga is a glorious <laughs> kali yuga is a very very degraded age in this age as you know in this age dharma is standing on one leg dharma stands on how many pillars and in kali yuga three of them are broken austerity mercy cleanliness only one leg dharma is standing which one is that fourth leg of dharma <laughs> truthfulness and that leg is also uh, about to break that means dharma is going to collapse in this age so that's why kali yuga actually is a very very dangerous age and due to the influence of kali right at the beginning uh, things deteriorated very very badly like different in the name of the vedas people started to introduce brahmanas started to introduce all kinds of all kinds of abominable uh, abominable practices like in the name of vedas they were doing it it's also another important thing that has been mentioned in garuda purana that says rakshasha kalimashrita jayante brahmajonishu in the age of kali many rakshasas will take birth in the brahmana families and this is how they will destroy the vedic culture all kinds of very very abominable practices they will introduce in this age i don't want to go into the details of the, that 
But one thing happened in the age of Kali. These Brahmanas, in the name of the Vedic Yajna, Vedic sacrifice, they started to kill animals. Indiscriminately, they were killing animals. In the name of Yajna, they were saying we are performing Yajna, but what is the purpose? Kill the animals. To eat their flesh, Rakshasa. So, seeing this unnecessary <coughs> slaughter of animal, the Lord's heart became afflicted, and in order to stop this animal slaughter in the name of sacrifice, the Lord came as Buddha. Now you understand why Krishna came as Buddha. It has been described in Dashavata Stotra. How many of you remember that particular verse in Dashavata Stotra? Nindasi Jagga Videraha Shruti Jatam Sadaya Hridaya Darshita Pashukhatam Keshavadrita Buddha Sharira Jaya Jagati Shahari. Nindashi means criticizing, pointing out the fault or defect. Jagga Videraha, the Jagga Vidhi, the performance of sacrifice that was going on. Shruti Jatam in the name of Shruti and the excuse of Vedas, Vedic scriptures. In the name of the Vedic scriptures they were performing these sacrifices. But what, what they were doing? Sadaya Ridaya Darshita Pashukhatam Pashukhatam Seeing this unnecessary slaughter of animals the Lord Sadaya Ridaya, His merciful heart became afflicted. Therefore, in order to stop that, He came as Keshava Dhrita, Keshava Krishna appeared as Lord Buddha. Keshava Dhrita, Buddha Sharira. <coughs> So now you understand why Lord came as Lord Buddha. So you, you understanding very good. Huh? You understood that why Shankaracharya came? Yes. Why Buddha came? Yeah. Okay. So now what did he do? Appearing as Lord Buddha. Appearing as Lord Buddha, he rejected the Vedas. Isn't that the easiest way? to stop the activities that were going on in the name of the Vedas. There is no need to follow the Vedas. The goal of life, a dharma, actually is to act nicely. So he gave the code of conduct. Good acts. Speak the truth. 
Always speak the truth. Never tell a lie. Be kind to others. Don't kill animals. Non-violence is the way. Violence breeds conflict. Violence breeds animosity. Violence, therefore, is the cause of suffering. Therefore, don't become violent. So you want to become free from suffering? So become free from, don't indulge in violence. So basically, Buddha's feeling, Buddha's teachings was the teachings of non-violence. And then, uh, as a result of that, what happened? There was no need to follow the Vedas. Especially when all kinds of abominable activities were going on in the name of Vedas, all kinds of exploitation was going on in the name of Vedas. People already became completely disgusted, general people, mass of people become disgusted with this, what was going on in the name of the Vedas. So, uh, Shankaracharya, I'm sorry, Lord Buddha, uh, in this way, established a new concept of religion. And that is called Buddhism. And there was no consideration of following the Vedas. Therefore, there was no way to understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead. If you don't follow the Vedas, if you don't follow the scripture, then is there any way of understanding God? Just by being good, just by speaking the truth, just by being non-violent, can you possibly understand God? You may create a peaceful society, but there is no possibility of understanding God. Therefore, it says, Vedna Maniya Buddha Hoyanastik. Because the Buddhists do not follow the Vedas, do not accept the Vedas, therefore they are Gnostics, they are atheists. So, Buddhism actually is covered atheism. Not direct atheism. They are not saying that they are atheists, but indirectly they are actually atheists. What's the concept of God? Of course, they are following Lord Buddha, who is God Himself, but He is not displaying His identity as the Supreme Personality of God. So, <clears throat> now, Buddha, after Buddha appeared, Within a short period of time, short period of time, Buddhism spread extensively all over India. Now Vedas have been rejected. So because the Vedas have been rejected, there is no way of understanding the Supreme Personality of Godhead. There is no understanding of the Lord and our relationship with Him. Therefore, there is a need to re-establish the Vedas. That's why the Lord instructed Lord Shiva. Krishna instructed Lord Shiva. 
that now you go and establish, re-establish the Vedas. Vedas have been, no one is practicing the Vedas in India. I went there to achieve certain purpose. The purpose has been accomplished. Now, bring the Vedas back. So that is why Shankaracharya told Parvati that I will go to this earth planet, appear as a Brahmana, in order to establish a temporary philosophy. Why temporary philosophy? Because Buddhists have rejected the Vedas. Now, if you try to establish the Vedas and tell them the teachings of the Vedas, will the Buddhists accept it? So, well, that's your scripture. We don't have anything to do with that. Therefore, Shankaracharya had to had to devise a means to re-establish the Vedas. So what did Shankaracharya do? Buddhism is saying that all these good activities, but ultimately you, ultimately the goal is to achieve Nirvana. The ultimate goal of life is to achieve Nirvana. So now Nirvan means, according to Buddhists, to become nothing. In simple, in in a a way, they are saying that this body is the source of misery. Because you have the body, the body is the source of misery. So if we get rid of the body, there won't be any misery. So that is their concept of Nirvan. To become nothing. Therefore, Buddhism is often described as nihilism, shunnavad, voidism, void, become shunya, become shunna means zero. Zero means nothing. To become nothing. Because you are something, therefore you are suffering. If you become nothing, there won't be any suffering. Prabhupada uh, criticized that point by saying, it's something like saying that you have a boil in your leg that's causing you distress, so cut the leg off. There won't be any problem. So, uh, the, the Buddhist concept of Nirvana is something like that. Shankaracharya took that point and said that this nirvan that you are speaking about is actually a concept of the Vedas. Nirvan is a Vedic concept. But in the Vedas, nirvan means not to become nothing, but to merge in the absolute. Nirvan doesn't mean to become nothing, but become everything. <laughs> and so this is how I just I have jokingly said become everything uh, that merging into the absolute the source of everything what is the cause of everything you merge with that so in a way you are saying that you become everything so it's not nothing but everything so this way Shankaracharya actually 
established, re-established the Vedas, defeating the Buddhists. And this one person single-handedly practically drove Buddhism out of India. That's another wonderful spiritual achievement. Just as Prabhupada single-handedly spread Krishna consciousness all over the world, Shankaracharya single-handedly drove out this atheism or Buddhism out of India. Today you hardly see any Buddhists in India. You find them in some remote corners of Himalayas in Tibet and all that. They are hiding. They are driven out, so they went and took shelter. And then somewhere, some other neighboring countries like Ceylon, China, Japan, their Buddhism spread and it is remaining there. But out of India, it's totally driven out. Now in this way, Shankaracharya established the Vedas. But in order to do that, Shankaracharya had to kind of make some adjustments in the Vedic conclusion. So should I get into that? Are you prepared to listen to some philosophy? Yes. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> you see, the adjustment that Shankaracharya made, like, because as I said, the Buddhists are atheists. Now, if you bring in total theism, establish God, and like they don't accept that. Therefore, instead of going into that aspect, Shankaracharya simply dealt with the Brahma Jyoti aspect. Now, how many of you know what is Brahma Jyoti? How many of you want to know what's Brahma Jyoti? <laughs> okay. In simple words, Brahma Jyoti is the bodily effulgence of the Lord. The spiritual sky, spiritual world is full of light. It's full of light. Now what kind of light is that? That is the light of spiritual effulgence that comes out from the body of the Lord. As opposed to material nature, did you ever consider what the material nature is like? Material nature is full of darkness. There is no light otherwise. But because the sun comes and moon is there and some electricity or fire is there, there is some light. Otherwise just consider if sun was not there, moon was not there, electricity was not there, what would have been the condition of this world? Is there any rocket scientist to figure that out? <laughs> this world would have been in total darkness. So this world is the world of total darkness. Whereas the spiritual world is diametrically opposed. That world is full of light. And that light is That is the bodily effulgence of the Lord. So... <clears throat> 
to merge, to go into the spiritual world, Shankaracharya is saying, to merge in the light, the spiritual light. And this light is the source of the material creation. Brahma is the cause of creation. Everything is a manifestation of Brahma, a transformation of Brahma. Sarvam Khalidam So, now, in order to establish that, Shankaracharya had to develop a new philosophy. So, that new philosophy is Vedas are saying, as I just mentioned, this material nature is a transformation of the spiritual energy. Transformation. From this Brahma, Jagat became manifest. Uh, is it clear up to this point that it's a transformation? Brahma was transformed. It kind of, you can go like <coughs> Mahatattva, then Upadana, in influence of the Gunas. They gradually, gradually become uh, transformed from subtle to gross. This Jagat is a matter of transformation of Brahma. That theory is called Podinambad. But Shankaracharya developed a new branch of philosophy called Vivartavad. Vivartavad, Vivartha means illusion. It's a theory of transformation. Like transformation is also real. For example, milk became yogurt. Milk is transformed into yogurt. Just as milk exists, yogurt exists. Now can anybody say that yogurt is an illusion? But that's what Shankaracharya did. Taking some concepts from the Vedas, he justified his presentation. Mind you, why he why did that? Otherwise the Buddhists won't accept it. So he didn't go beyond Brahman, the source of Brahman. <coughs> from Brahma onwards, from Brahma downwards, he took it. And what Brahma is real, this Jagat is false. Because Brahma is real, and this is illusion. And he justified that, or exemplified that, just as miraj appears to be water. Is miraj water? Miraj is hot sand, but it appears to be like water. Just as a rope is mistaken to be a snake. In semi-darkness, a rope, somebody mistakes a rope to be a snake. But is the rope snake? So just as 
It's a mistaken concept. It's an illusion means a mistaken concept. So this jagat, this material world, is an illusion, is a mistaken concept. It appears to be, but actually it is not. And philosophically you can prove that. It's very true. There is a branch of philosophy which is called Vaisheshika. And Vaisheshika and manifest, kind of concludes that this creation, this whole creation is a combination of atoms. It's all atoms. This building is not building. It's all atoms. The sofa is, it's true, uh, in a way, like, it appears to be like this, but actually it is not. So, by taking these uh, few concepts, uh, Sarvankhalidam Brahma, Brahma and uh, Aham Brahmasmi, these are some concepts from the Vedas. Shankaracharya established that concept that this world is an illusion. Now, do you know, do you want to hear how Ramanujacharya defeated Shankaracharya? Yes. <laughs> okay. Shankaracharya did the job. Now, the Vedas have to be established. Then came Ramanujacharya. And Ramanujacharya uh, defeated Shankaracharya's theory. In simple words, through some, uh, it goes into very deep understanding, and uh, but some simple consideration here. Ramanujariya's point is fine. There is no water in the mirage, but somewhere the water is existing. Therefore, you are mistaking the mirage to be water. Rope is not snake. But somewhere the snake is existing that way, that's why you are mistaking the rope to be a snake. So this may be illusory, but this illusion is coming from the reality which is the spiritual reality. Like the variety, Shankaracharya is pointing out that Brahma doesn't have any variety, doesn't have any variegatedness, doesn't have any potency, doesn't have any quality. That is Brahman, according to his description. Now you see uh, how Ramanacharya defeated that point. Brahma, he is saying nirgun, nirvikar, nishaktik, nirvishesh. Therefore, it is called nirvisheshvad, impersonalism. But he is saying, fine, this variety is illusory. There is no snake in the rope. It's a rope. It's not snake. But somewhere the snake is existing, therefore you are mistaking this rope to be a snake. So somewhere, whatever we are seeing here, somehow this variety is existing. That's why huh, it is appearing here. So this is how he established that this reality may be unreal, there may this variety and everything that we are saying in this world may be unreal, but somewhere it is existing, that's why it is appear to appearing to be real. 
दैट इज हाउ शंकर रामानुजाचार्य ओवर शंकराचार्यस केवला द्वैतवाद ही एस्टाब्लिश्ड हिज विशिष्टा द्वैतवाद दैट एब्सोल्यूट शंकराचार्यस ओवर शंकराचार्यस एब्सोल्यूट मोनिजम ही एस्टाब्लिश्ड स्पेसिफिक स्पिरिच्युअल रियालिटी इज फुल ऑफ वैरायटी स्पिरिच्युअल वर्ल्ड इज नॉट डिवॉइड ऑफ वैरायटी द स्पिरिच्युअल वर्ल्ड इज फुल ऑफ वैरायटी फुल ऑफ पोटेंसी फुल ऑफ क्वालिटी एंड देन लाइक अदर आचार्यज केम माधवाचार्य निम्बर्काचार्य विष्णु स्वामी and they established the vaishnava philosophy of the vedanta but this vedanta philosophy by of shankaracharya became very very prevalent all over india at that time and now let me go back to the point sarvabhatacharya was the greatest exponent of Vedanta philosophy of that time, and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. You remember Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Sarvam Bhattacharya. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu fainted in Jagannath Puri Temple, Jagannath Temple, Sarvam Bhattacharya happened to be there, and seeing this extraordinary manifestation of ecstasy. in the personality of chaitanya mahaprabhu sarvam bhattacharya was extremely impressed so he <coughs> took shri chaitanya mahaprabhu to his house even when he was unconscious and <clears throat> then the other devotees who were accompanying chaitanya mahaprabhu they all arrived and they got to know that chaitanya mahaprabhu was in the house of Sarvam Bhattacharya. So in the meantime, they made Gopinath Acharya. Gopinath Acharya was also from Navadvi. Sarvam Bhattacharya is also from Navadvi. And Gopinath Acharya met Mukunda, and they were friends. They asked Mukunda, "Why are you here?" And Mukunda told why he was here, and he told that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas and he came. So Gopinath Acharya was very keen to meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and when he heard he was in the house of Sarvam Bhattacharya, he uh, led them to the house. And Gopinath Acharya was Sarvam Bhattacharya's brother-in-law. And when they arrived there, they saw that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was still unconscious. So Sarvam Bhattacharya told them that you all go and have the darshan of Lord Jagannath. Your his house was close by. Go and have the darshan of Lord Jagannath, then you come. And so, after having the darshan of Lord Jagannath, they came to Gopinath Acharya's house. And then they started to chant the holy name of the Lord. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came back to his external senses. 
and after that they all went to the ocean, took bath, and Sarvam Bhattacharya arranged Jagannath Mahaprasad for all of them. And then he made arrangements for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to stay at a solitary place, which was the house of his aunt, Sarvam Bhattacharya's aunt. That house was empty, so he made arrangement for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to stay there. And Sarvam Bhattacharya was expressing certain concern for this young sannyasi. He was saying that this boy is so sentimental, he is not at all serious. He is chanting and he is singing and dancing. He is so young and he is so handsome. It will be difficult for him to maintain his sannas. So I will give him the knowledge of Vedanta so that he will become fixed up in his sannas. Oh yeah, and while discussing about his background, Sarvambhad Acharya asked, and Gopinath Acharya told him that he is the uh, grandson of Jagannath, he is the son of Jagannath Mishra, the grandson of Nilambar Chakravarti from the mother's side. And Sarvambhad Acharya said, yes, Nilambar Chakravarti and my father were very close friends. And my father also uh, was very affectionate to his Jagannath mission. And, but Sarvam Bhattacharya actually left Jagannath Puri, I mean, left Mayapur before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance. So he didn't know about him. And then he told that, when they told him that he took sannas from Kesha Bharati, Sarvam Bhattacharya said, Bharati, that is a lower rung of sannas order, sannas uh, status. So, I will elevate him into the higher sannas uh, status by giving him proper education. So, Gopinath Acharya said, look, he is the Supreme Personality of God. He appeared as a devotee, and he, this is his performing his pastimes as a Then Sarvam Bhattacharya said, No, in this age, there is no appearance of the Lord. Therefore, he is called Tri Yuga, one who appears in three Yugas. Gopinath Acharya said that, Yes. But in the age of Kali, his identity is hidden. Therefore, he is called Trijuga. In the age of Kali, he doesn't come as a as the Lord. He comes as a devotee. So in this way, he tried to make Gopinathacharya understand. But both of them are great scholars. Just as Sarvambhattacharya was a great scholar, but Gopinathacharya also was a great scholar. And in this way they started to have argument. 
The only difference is Sadhuvam Bhattacharya was very badly influenced by Shankaracharya's doctrines, whereas Gopinath Acharya was a devotee. So, while they were having arguments, and in India, the brothers-in-law uh, have a very uh, sweet relationship. They often get into very bitter arguments <laughs> and joking and even insulting each other. So, <clears throat> then Gopinath Acharya told Sarvam Bhattacharya that, look, one cannot possibly understand the Lord unless and until he receives the mercy of the Lord. So this point is very, very important actually. To accept the Supreme Personality of Godhead is actually a matter of Lord's mercy. Those who do not receive the mercy of the Lord, they will not be able to accept. So he pointed out, that you are not fortunate enough to recognize him because you haven't received his mercy. <coughs> and then again huh, the debate continued. Like, what makes you think that you are so fortunate that you have received his mercy? And he pointed out that when one receives the Lord, when one accepts the Lord as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, his heart becomes content. And those who do not accept the Supreme Personality of Godhead, their heart becomes a source of turbulence and difficulties. Their heart becomes automatically very, very agitated and disturbed and distressed. So that is a very simple uh, outcome of accepting the Lord and not accepting the Lord. Those who accept the Lord, their heart automatically become content. Their heart automatically become peaceful. But, but those who do not, their hearts remain full of anxiety. So in this way, uh, Sarvam Bhattacharya and Gopinath Acharya were having uh, their debate over Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Sarvam Bhattacharya was saying uh, that he will educate him and fix him up in his sannas order. Because accepting sannas and falling down from sannas order is very, very unfortunate. It's like committing suicide. So, <clears throat> but when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu got to know that, that Sarvam Bhattacharya is very keen to teach him, then he said, it's fine. He's my well-wisher. He wants to educate me and fix me up in my uh, sannas order. <laughs> so, that's very nice. So, he accepted. Yes, I will study under you, study Vedanta Sutra under you. So Sarvam Bhattacharya started to explain 
Vedanta to Sri Chaitanya for seven days he explained Vedanta Sutra to him. <coughs> and for seven days, without saying anything, he just, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu sat there listening. On the eighth day, Sarvam Bhattacharya became little concerned. He said, Krishna Chaitanya, do you understand what I am explaining? Do you understand what I am saying? Then he said, yes. Then he said, then if you, you are just listening and you are just sitting down listening, but you don't say anything, so, what is the matter? Then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Look, I understand the sutras, but I don't understand your explanations. Samvadacharya said, The explanations are to clarify the meaning of the sutra. So, you are saying that you understand the aphorisms, the sutras. But you don't understand the explanation. Then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that your explanations are not clarifying the meanings of the sutras. They are covering the meaning of the sutras. Sarum Bhattacharya was shocked to hear that. Anybody can criticize him like that. That his explanation is covering Vedanta Sutra. He is the greatest exponent of Vedanta Sutra. And now, this young boy is telling that my explanation doesn't clarify the explanation. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went further. Just as the sun is actually self-effulgent, Vedanta Sutras, the meaning of the Vedanta Sutra is very simple. But the cloud of your explanation is covering the sun. Your explanations are not revealing the light of the sun, but covering the sun. Your explanation is not revealing the meanings of the Vedanta Sutra, but uh, covering the obscuring the meaning. And in this way, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is pointing out, he pointed out that you are saying that liberation is the ultimate goal of life. Mukti, or liberation, is the ultimate purpose of life. That is what you are saying, the goal. Vedanta Sutra is saying. To merge in the Brahman, and achieve liberation. But then, why the liberated personalities become devotees of the Lord? And this is a very famous verse Chaitanya Mahaprabhu quoted from Srimad Bhagavatam called Atma Ram verse. 
आत्मा राम राम मीन्स जॉय दोज हुआ डिराइविंग देयर जॉय इन देयर आत्मा इन देयर स्पिरिचुअल आइडेंटिटी आत्मा रामश्च मुनयो निर्ग्रंथ अपी उरुक्रमे निर्ग्रंथ ग्रंथि मीन्स वट इज द मीनिंग ऑफ द वर्ड ग्रंथि ग्रंथि मीन्स नॉट With not you tie things up. So in this material nature, living entities condition are Rilaya Granthi. There are so many knots in the hearts. But those who have become free from this bondage of material nature, the Atma Rama Nirgrantha. those who do not have any attachment any bondage those who are totally free from all material bondage the munaya the exalted saintly personalities kurbanti ahaitukin bhaktin they become engaged in rendering unconditional devotional service unto the supreme personality of godhead you got the point you are saying liberation is the goal but we are seeing that those who have been automatically already liberated after liberation they become engaged in devotional service you are saying liberation of merging into brahma jyoti now those who are express experiencing that brahma ananda why do they become engaged in devotional service and he gave the examples of sukadev goswami do you remember sukadev goswami from his birth he was liberated but he became a devotee afterwards the four kumaras shanak sanatan sanandan and sanat kumar they were liberated soul marjin absorbed in brahmananda brahman realization and they were in that situation after that they became devotees so why those are all you are saying liberation is the goal then why those who are liberated become engaged in devotion so in this way he Chaitanya Mahaprabhu pointed out to Sarvamangalacharya that the goal of life is not liberation. The goal of life, as it has been pointed out in Shrimad Bhagavatam, very clearly. I mean, in uh, uh, Vedanta Sutra, has very clearly indicated that conclusion and. then sarvam bhattacharya asked chaitanya mahaprabhu to explain the meaning of mean this verse atmara verse then chaitanya mahaprabhu said first you explain and sarvam bhattacharya was such a great scholar that he gave 
nine different explanations of this verse. And then he asked Chaitanya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to explain. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, without touching any of these explanations of Sarvam Bhattacharya, gave 64 explanations of this verse. And all these 64 explanations indicated that loving devotional service is the purpose. So, Sarvam Bhattacharya was flatly defeated. He was naturally a very proud person that he was such a great scholar. His fame spread all over India. And now he has been defeated by just a young boy. Still he did not accept Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the Supreme Personality of God. In his room, behind closed door, he was lamenting. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared to him at midnight. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu displayed his four-armed form. Four-arm form of Vishnu, Narayan. Conch, lotus, disc and mess. Mess. Shankha, Chakra, Gada, Padma. And two hands, the hands of Sannasi. Then he showed him two hands holding the bow and arrow of Lord Ramchandra, two hands holding the flute of Krishna Chandra, and two hands holding the Sannas Danda and water pot of his Sarvam Bhattacharya now recognized him as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He fell at his feet and offered him prayers by composing hundred verses. Like we remember, you remember, Keshav Kashmiri composed like this was a scholarship, the, the, the wonderful scholarly abilities of this personality. They could compose poetry just like that. And through this hundred poetry, hundred verses, hundred prayers, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Bhattacharya glorified or worshipped Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The first one goes like Vairagya Vidya, Nijabhakti Jogam, Shikhartha Meka Purusha Purana. Shri Krishna Chaitanya Sharira Dhari Kripam Budhir Jas Tamaham Prapatte Vairagya Vidya Nija Bhakti Yogam Shikhartha Meka Purusha Purana Purusha Purana The Supreme Personality of Godhead Original 
supreme personality of Godhead appeared in order to teach the science of renunciation, Vaidyatavitya, which is non-different from his own devotional service, Nijabhakti-Jopam. He came to teach the science of renunciation or give the knowledge of renunciation or process of renunciation, which is his own devotional service. Shikhartameka, in order to teach Purushakura, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Sri Krishna Chaitanya Shariradhani has accepted, has appeared as Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Rija, one who is the ocean of mercy. Rija, Stamaham Prabhupadei. I surrender myself to him. The one who did not want to accept him as the Supreme Personality of Godhead and not just any Tom, Dick and Harry, <laughs> the greatest exponent of the Vedanta philosophy of that time, in a way the greatest scholar of that time, greatest philosopher of that time. Sarvam Bhattacharya now is accepting Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is an ocean of mercy. Now, do you accept Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the Supreme Personality of God? Yes. Thank you very much. So, this is how our faith becomes confirmed. Our understanding becomes confirmed. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is not accepted as the Supreme Personality of Godhead because of somebody's sentimental presentation. Some people say, oh, you are a God. Some fools uh, tell a donkey that you are God and the donkey begins to think that he is God. And the other fools start to worship him as God. That's what is happening in this age. Bhagavan this, Bhagavan that, Bhagavan. So many Bhagavans. But who, what is there? What is the basis of their claim? Is there any mention of them in the scriptures? No. So therefore it is very emphatic, it has been pointed out very emphatically that the Supreme Personality of Godhead should be accepted only when we find His appearance in the scriptures, not otherwise. Do you all know <coughs> that Kalki Avatar will come? Yes. How many of you know that Kalki Avatar will come? When will He come? Four hundred and twenty-seven thousand years from now. But you know. How do you know? Scriptures. But all these Bhagavans that are coming and going, 
Is there any mention of them? As a matter of fact, these so-called cheaters will be presenting themselves as God. Therefore, the Supreme Personality of God didn't come in this age as God. He came as a devotee. That is one of the reasons why he didn't come as the Supreme Personality of God. So this is how Sarvam Bhattacharya received the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came, we can deal with some other... Okay, I'll quickly also describe another very wonderful encounter of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with Sri Ramananda Rai. Ramananda Rai was a great devotee. Sarvam Bhattacharya knew Ramananda Rai because Ramananda Rai was the governor of the southern part of Odisha, which is today's Andhra Pradesh. Those days, Andhra was a part of Odisha under the king of Odisha, King Prataputra. And Ramananda Rai was the governor of that place. Sarvam Bhattacharya knew that Ramananda now after becoming after coming in contact with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and becoming a devotee himself now he began to recognize Ramananda Rai's position as a devotee. So he told Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that when you go to South India Chaitanya Mahaprabhu now is planning to go to South India. And he told him that uh, when you go to South India, please meet Ramananda Rai. He is a great devotee of the Lord. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was traveling. He came to the bank of Godavari River. Beautiful, wide river. And he remembered Godavari to him appeared like Jamuna. And the forest on the bank of Godavari appeared to him like Vrindavan. So Ramananda Rai took bath in Godavari and he was sitting on the bank under a tree. At that time saw a royal personality coming carried in a palanquin Brahmanas, many Brahmanas were reciting Vedic hymns and he came to take bath. Seeing him, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu recognized that this is Ramananda This must be Ramananda After taking bath as Ramananda Rai came out of the river, he saw Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he also recognized him. In this way, the Lord and his devotee met. Ramananda Rai came to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, offered obeisance. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu lifted him up, embraced him. And all the Brahmanas were surprised because it is unusual uh, for a sannyasi uh, to embrace a king. 
are all such a person, like apparently materialistic person. And here's a governor and he is embracing a sannyasi like it was, they were quite completely surprised. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Ramananda Rai felt that this is not the right place to have a proper exchange. So it was decided that Ramananda Rai would come back again in the evening. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Ramananda Rai met in the evening. Then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asked him, Can you let me can you tell me what is the goal of all kinds of spiritual activities? What is the goal? of life, quoting from scriptures, with scriptural evidence, because that is the way of, that is the Vedic way of establishing your point, not just whimsically say something, whatever you say has to be substantiated by scriptural evidence. So Ramananda Rai said that Shadharma Acharan Performing one's own duty is the goal of life. And he quoted the verse, Varna Shamacharo Bhata Purushena Padapuman Vishnur Aradhate Pantha Nainam Tattu Shukarana Performance of Varnashram Varnashram means for following the system of four Varnas and four Ashrams is the way to please Vishnu. And besides that there is no other way. Nainam, there is no other way to please him. Nainam Tattu Shukarana. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu rejected that saying that that's external consideration. Tell me. Then Ramananda Rai said to be involved in karma yoga or performing the karma for the sake of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is the goal of life. And he quoted the verse, Jat Karosi, Jadas Nasi, Jat Juhoshi Tadasi Jat. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you give in charity, whatever austerities you perform, you do Tatpurusha Madarpana. You offer the results of all those activities unto me. Krishna Kodmarpana. The result of one's karma or action should be offered to Krishna. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu rejected that. That's also external. Tell me what's beyond that. Then Ramananda Rai told that giving up the karma and surrendering unto Krishna 
is the goal of life. And he quoted the verse, Sarva dharman paritajya mami kam sharanam prajan aham tvam sarva papi Giving up all varieties of duties and responsibilities, all kinds of dharma. You surrender unto me, then I'll deliver you from all your sinful reactions. Don't worry. Mahasucha. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu rejected that also. Then Ramananda Rai mentioned about Gyanajo. Brahma Bhuta Prasannatma Na Sochati Na Kamshati Sama Sarveshu Bhuteshu Mad Bhaktim Lavate Param. When one achieves the Brahma Bhuta stage, His heart becomes completely content, completely satisfied, prasannatma. At that stage, no sochati, no kamshati. There is no lamentation and there is no desire. And at that time, one achieves the devotional service unto the Lord. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu rejected that, saying, that's also external, tell me what's beyond that. Then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then Ramananda Rai quoted a verse saying that the devotional service that is free from both the endeavor for knowledge and Activity, action. Jnana and karma. Jnana prayasam udapasya namanti eva jivanti sanmukharitan bhavati yavarta. Giving up the endeavor for jnana, knowledge. When one surrenders unto me, when one surrenders unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then the Lord who is inconquerable, who is unconquerable, not inconquerable, who is unconquerable becomes conquered. Prayasya ajitahapi jitataistalaka And he quoted another verse. Anna vilashita sunnam jnana karmad anabritam anukullena krishnanushilanam bhakti vittama. The pure devotion, unalloyed devotion's description. There is no endeavor for jnana, no endeavor for karmic reactions, fruitive activity. There is no, in, no desire for fruitive activity, no desire for uh, speculative knowledge. When one gives up that and 
become simply engaged in loving devotional service to the Lord. Devoid of any other consideration, Anna Bhilashita Sunnam, Anna Abhilashita desire Sunnam, no other desire. Free from uh, Jnana Karmad Anapritam, free from the becoming free from the coverings of Jnana and Karma. Anukulena Krishna Nushilana engages in devotional service by accepting whatever is favorable to devotional service and rejecting whatever is not. That is pure devotion. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu then accepted that. Yes, that's right. Tell me what's beyond that. Uh, what is further? And then Ramananda Roy gradually explained devotional service in five different mellows. Devotional service in Shantaraj, devotional service in Dasyaras, devotional service in Sakyaras, devotional service in Vatsalaras, then devotional service in Madhurjaras. Devotional service in neutral neutrality, servitorship, friendship, parental, and conjugal. And in this way, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu inspired him. Tell me more. Tell me more. Then he explained that how the gopis love for Krishna. And then gradually he came to the pinnacle of devotional service is Radharani's love for Krishna. So this is how through this discussion with Ramananda Roy, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu established the pure principle of pure devotional service. Is that clear now? Yes. So, will you be engaged in fruitive activity? Will you be engaged in speculative persuasion? Then what will you do? Becoming free from any other desire, just become engaged in serving the lotus feet of Krishna. Then Krishna who cannot be conquered, who is unconquerable, he will become conquered. Although you don't want to conquer him, uh, you simply want to become servant of Krishna, but that is how Krishna reciprocates. Je The way one surrenders unto me, accordingly, I serve him. I surrender unto him. Thank you all very much. Does anybody have any question? I just noticed Vijay Gopikesh Prabhu and Mataji came. Thank you so much. Welcome to Louis speech. Louis retreat. Hare Krishna. Came from Auckland? 
Actually, you are in India also, yeah? For Jayapadakamaraj's best puja. Thank you. Are you comfortably situated? Uh, did you go to the room? Yes. And did you take some pressure? Okay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Today, uh, today, uh, Ramai Maharaj also came, and he was also appreciating this arrangement. <laughs> So tomorrow we'll glorify the organizers. <laughs> Not tomorrow, day after tomorrow. Day after tomorrow morning we'll have the session of uh, exchanging our appreciation. Yeah, let's see, Pranav. Guru Maharaj, uh, you mentioned about uh, uh, the impersonalism, Nirvisheshvad, Shunyavad, Mayavad. Are these the terms that we use for uh, those respective, respective philosophies or do they also acknowledge these as their philosophies? Hmm. Like these expressions have been there uh, to indicate, maybe you can say in scriptures they are not, like in Vedic scriptures, like, but they are kind of common terms, like uh, Shunavad is alright. Buddhists are nirvana is becoming nothing. So shunna means zero means nothing. So that is all right. But mayavad is more of a common term. The philosophical expression of that is vivartavad. And this particular philosophy of Shankaracharya is called kevaladaitavad. Keval, absolute monism, absolute non-dualism. But the theory is the theory of illusion. So vivarta, but and illusion means maya. Therefore, it is maya but. Okay. Yes. you said that. Uh, Somewhere in the scripture, Lord Shiva is telling Parvati that I will appear and spread my philosophy. Which that scripture is? Uh, this is in Vishnu Gura. And another question is that uh, you said that somewhere it is in the scripture mentioned that in the sea Yagna, that Sloka you said. So that is, is Dasavata Stotra. Okay. That uh, the prayer that you sing? Yeah. That's, there are ten verses glorifying ten different incarnations of the Lord. <coughs> so Lord Buddha has been glorified in that. <clears throat> so you all make it a point to read. Ah, like, you can ask me any question, but sometimes your question gives me and makes me realize that you all are not really reading. Right? Like Dasavata Stotram. Everybody should read. We are singing Namaste Narasinghaya every day. But where the new Namaste Narasinghaya is coming from, where the other verses, that's by written by Jayadev in his the invocation of Gita Govinda. So, 
don't just wait for only the uh, don't wait only for the retreat and the seminars to get your knowledge make some endeavor also to study at home or discuss among yourselves when you meet i don't know what you discuss about <laughs> but uh, so make it a point to discuss about this topic Okay. Yes, Mrigan. Um, you mentioned that Gopinath Acharya was arguing with Sarvabhauma Bhattacharya about why Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the supreme personality of Godhead, and you mentioned that they were quoting verses. So, which verses did um, Gopinath Acharya quote to prove that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the hidden incarnation? That Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, he actually good point. Very good point. he actually quoted uh, two verses to prove that one is from shrimad bhagavatam krishna varnam tishak krishnam sangabangastra parshadam jaggai sankirtana prayai jajanti sumedha and the other verse he quoted from mahabharat that सुवर्ण वर्ण हेमांग बरांगश्चंदनाशक्षमो शांत निष्ठा शांति पारायण saying like devotional service is saying the highest thing like if, if I prefer you do this you can't be teach them do this thing do this thing do this and with Ramananda Rai and Chitani Mahaprabhu he's giving a process from like lowest to highest uh, is there a parallel is, is, is there something for us to understand in 12th canto it is coming from upper to lower <laughs> and that is the involvement the highest is is surrender to krishna and become completely engaged if you can't do that then okay do this much if you can't even do that then do this much and this is how he is kind of keep becoming more and more lenient whereas here he is actually pointing out that from you know like material consideration of spiritual activity to the highest form of spiritual activity you see the difference like there he is saying that okay do this if you can't then okay next step at least do that if you can't even do that okay, do that but here it is like not doing as such what is the goal what should be the goal should varnashram become the goal no should karma yoga become the goal no should gyan yoga become the goal no should pure devotional service become the goal yes now tell me the level of pure devotional service different types of mellows gradually going to more and more intense 
loving relationship. And then ultimately, the loving relationship that the gopis have in Yes, Swasti? It's a question related, a little bit related to this one. So, you know how you talk about some kids and one definition is congregation and another definition is total glorification. So, I always, I, I kind of had this impression that total glorification referred to this verse, everything you do, everything you offer, everything you eat, everything you offer, you know, and that as an offering to me. But in this sequence, it's you know, so much more. Can you give an explanation of the total yeah. <coughs> yeah, Sankirtan is, the starting point of Sankirtan is you become engaged. Then, engage others. Right? In chanting the holy name. And then, this process of chant, glorifying <coughs> the Supreme Personality of Godhead that you are performing in this platform will take you to the spiritual platform. You get the point? Like we are performing Sankirtan in Australia. But then one day, due to the performance of Sankirtan, we'll find that we are in Vrindavan. Golab Vrindavan. Right? The Sankirtan will take us to the spiritual world. And when we go to Golab Vrindavan, then what will we do? Huh? There also we glorify Krishna. But that glorification... Okay, uh, then uh, you can put it this way, that this glorification of Krishna in congregational chanting is the process or the activity in Golok Navadip. In the spiritual sky, this activity will be there. But this activity can also take us to Krishna's pastime. And then what will be the Sankirtan? The highest form of Sankirtan will be the way Radharani is calling out to Krishna. Right? You are calling out to Krishna. Now, the highest form, like the most intense loving calling out is the way Radharani is calling out. So you see the Sankirtan. Sankirtan continues. But there are different spiritual levels of that Sankirtan. Yes, Rajeshikar. Coming back to the stage point, which is chapter 12 of Bhagavad Gita, we also know that Ramananda Rai was the incarnation of poetry. So, how they had the conversation with Bhagavad Gita, and then chapter 12 also happens to be that middle six chapters where Sat Yoga is more prevalent. So, there, how Krishna is telling original that, okay, from, from primary to, okay, you can come down to the later stages. 
But here the mode is different, like between Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Ramana Dharaj, which is beyond Bhagavad Gita, what we see. Yeah, it goes to Bhagavad Gita, but it goes beyond Bhagavad Gita. And <coughs> so, Ramanandara is not only just incarnation of Arjuna, there are four personalities in Ramanandara. Lalita Devi, Vishakha Devi, Arjuna of the Pandava, and Arjuna, the friend of Krishna in Vrindavan. These four personalities are in Ramanandara. How is it possible? Inconceivable. In spiritual sky you can see one can become many and many also can become one. That's the unique aspect of the spiritual world. So here's a question from Neha. <laughs> Guru Maharaj, you explained the five devotional rasas of devotional service. Kindly explain, explain the Madhurja Ras to us and the relationship between Radharani, relationship Radharani shares with Krishna. Okay. Like Santaraj, <coughs> the mellow of neutrality. <laughs> Mellow of neutrality is the way the sages meditate upon Krishna. It's just meditating. But then in servitorship there is service. In neutrality there is no service. And <clears throat> the servitorship develops a relationship. In neutrality, that relationship is not there. Like master and servant, there is a relationship. That relationship becomes even deeper when it is between friends. The relationship becomes even deeper between the parents and children. The relationship becomes even deeper between husband and wife. And the relationship becomes even deeper, although not desirable, in this world, between lover and beloved, beyond the wedlock. But in the spiritual world, that's the highest relationship. Krishna's relationship with the queen's in Dwarka is relationship between husband and wife. But in Vrindavan there is no such no arrangement of wedding. Simple love. So that is the highest form of Madhurja. Madhurja has two aspects. Swakya and Parakya. Swakya is between husband-wife and Parakya is Krishna's relationship with the gopis with whom he was not married, apparently. But we have to also recognize that Krishna is the original supreme 
proprietor. Everyone is Krishna's property. Everyone is Krishna's. So, where is the need for such social, formal approval? But that is, when that relationship is not there, then that is the highest relationship. Okay. Yes, Swasti? Yes. Yes. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is creating the special mercy or bestowing his special mercy that is enabling everyone and access to Vrindavan. <laughs> that is uh, the unique aspect of his pastimes. Take everyone to Papi tapi jatul shilo harina me All the sinful personalities, as many as they are, they all become delivered. He has very good point. Thank you. Yes, Charadishna. Their concept of reincarnation is I like you gradually elevate from higher, uh, gradually into a higher and higher platform, and then finally you become nothing. Okay. <laughs> and what's the second question? Following the footsteps means accept the mood in the heart and follow that. And Anukaran is just follow the imitate the external. You get it? Imitation of external is imitation. Hmm. 
but accepting the internal mood, internal teaching, internal objective is anushaya. Yes, Vijay Gopikesh Prabhu. Thank you so much for explaining the relationship between Mukha uh, Shankaracharya and how Sarav Bhattacharya got caught in that month. Uh, there's also Prabhupada mentioned about six systems of philosophy Nyaya, Vaisheshika, Sankhya, Yoga, and Karni Mahasuta philosophy. So, is it also the same sort of line of thinking that. Uh, Not really. No. <coughs> you see, Naya is kind of, that aspect of Naya is logic. And through logic, you establish your statement over others. Right? That's the difference. You see, in devotion, you just accept it. Descending, whereas through these processes, like actually, I tried to explain that in the portion of mercy uh, discussion. Discussion once, I mean, the good fortune I had once of listening to Srila Prabhupada. You see, Prabhupada pointed out that when you take these branches of philosophy, you know, as an unit in itself, then they are atheistic. Because they are not actually reaching the, 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 reaching the ultimate point. But they are actually, in reality, there are different levels of understanding. Uh, gradually is going from one to the other. First aspect is karma, karma kanda, then jnana kanda, and then finally bhakti. The first consideration is karma mimamsa, which is also known as purva mimamsa. Purva means preliminary, uh, preliminary conclusion the karmic consideration, action-reaction principle. As you saw, so shall you. So now you learn how to do. The Vedas are giving the instruction. Well, you want to enjoy, go ahead. But this is the way to enjoy. But in spite of all the enjoyment, when one realizes this is a place of suffering, then he once tries to find out how to get out of this. And this jnana is gradually taking to the point of how to get out of it. Hmm? Like, jnana means persuasion of knowledge. Pursuing of knowledge. Like, okay, why am I suffering? I'm suffering. What's the cause of my suffering? What is this world? What is this reality? And then eventually through Sankha, after analyzing the material nature, they are transcending the material nature and coming to the spiritual reality. <coughs> and then how to become situated in the spiritual reality? 
how to develop our relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Yoga. And the perfection of Yoga is enabling one to perceive the Lord in the heart. Then when one sees the Lord in the heart, what is the natural outcome of that? Surrender unto Him. And that surrender is the beginning of devotional service. And then the devotional service is taking actually to Vedanta Sutra. The ultimate Uttar Mimamsa, final conclusion is Vedanta Sutra. And the Vedanta Sutra explanation is, uh, is Srimad Bhagavatam. So whereas Shankaracharyas think they are taking Vedanta Sutra uh, to uh, get into another direction altogether, which is a totally misdirected direction. Shari Rekabhasha. Huh? Yeah, Shari Rekabhasha. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, on, I think, day one, just you mentioned that... Um, Krishna, the original Krishna, comes once every thousand cycles. Um, but I have a misunderstanding. So, please let me. So, I, I have I had the misunderstanding that Krishna himself only ever comes once every thousand cycles. So, the next, like after the end of his Kali Yuga, when there's an entire cycle, there's going to be no Krishna at all. Is, is that the way it is, or just the sixth? Then they, in those Kali Yuga or Dwapar Yuga, the incarnation, not original person. But he keeps coming in every cycle. He comes, but that is an incarnation. That is an incarnation of Kshirodakshai Vishnu, not the original Supreme Personality. Okay, I can take one more question. Yesterday, uh, you talked about that Yuna child asked three questions to challenge Polar and then two questions were the king is most virtuous and queen is chaste and how did he reply that or did he won against that challenge? Yeah, so these two, three things, he makes statements, not us. Now the statement was that he made the statement, now you have to defeat that statement. That is one way of arguing and debating. I made the statement, you defeat it. You will prove that I am wrong. But the condition there is that when you make the challenge that this is wrong, you have to prove that this is wrong. Right? So, the, uh, the first point we had made was that your mother is not bad. Yeah, then you are saying the second two, two other questions. The king is virtuous. To prove that you have to say king is not virtuous. So he, he presented that, that the king takes the sin of his citizens. So no matter how pious the king is, he is accepting the sin. So the king is sinful. Okay. And the queen is... When, you see, the king is the personification 
of all the demigods. So since the king is the personification of all demigods, then the, all the demigods are in, the, are in the body of the king. So when she got married to the king, she got married to all the demigods. <laughs> Therefore, she is not she is not chest. She is not completely chest from according to a definition. Okay, thank you all very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Gold Premanande. Mother is uh, licking. Okay. Like, okay. You know, yeah. make, make that the center. Make that the yeah. center. Let us see how that is. Okay. Yeah, I can have a look at that. Let me give you three drops now. So once, yeah. And I I'll hope I'm not. Not at all, my Not at all, my heart. I love to do this. Okay. I love to do this. Thank you. So I'll email it to you again. Let's see what we do. 
What is that? So, um, the people are praying to the Krishna diamond. Okay, they are praying to Krishna. Yeah. Okay, these are people. And this is Krishna diamond. Okay, and this is the sun. This is the sky. Very nice. Okay. Thank <laughs> you.